Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Kay Campbell, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. It's great to be back, Owen, and this is our very first episode recorded out of lockdown in Melbourne. We are still remote, though. (laughs) Yes, it is indeed. We record most of our episodes remote. We had to during COVID, but even before that, we were starting to do more remote, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, now that you're in the the regional suburbs of Victoria, it's a little bit harder to get in person in the office, but uh, hopefully soon, hopefully we'll get to do some office recordings and it'll be nice to see you again. Yeah, yeah. Likewise. Um, I think we're catching up soon, so that'll be nice. Today, we're talking about uh, our favorite personal finance apps, and you've given me a limit of 30 minutes to do this with you. So you know that I rant. Um, so we're going to try and keep it concise. And we've got, we're have got we covering everything. We're, we're covering investing, personal finance, uh, banking, and even some, some ways to make money and get your news. So we did this last year, and we had a similar list. But I think this is a relevant thing for a lot of people because a lot of people out there are thinking, you know, which broker do I use? Which banking app is good right now? And these things change often. Like a few years ago, people loved ING Bank because it had high interest and then the interest rate changed and then people were questioning whether they still kept that. Um, So this is a really interesting episode for a lot of people. It's kind of the nuts and bolts of personal finance and investing. And of course, these are just some ones that I like. There is... Uh, it's not throwing shade on any that people, other apps that people like. There's plenty of others I use, but I just sort of included a couple of highlights in this list. And as far as I know, we have no affiliations with any of these companies. No, we do use one of them um, at least, well, maybe a couple of them, but we do not have any affiliation with any of them. We may invest in one or two of them. We may invest in one of the companies, yes. Maybe we can disclose that as we go through. Maybe it's a bit of a teaser because that's towards the end. So maybe yeah. people can find out which company there that is <laughs> as we go through. There we go. So you have to listen. <laughs> um, okay, okay. Yeah, so that's a fair point. We don't, unlike many you know, podcasts or people that you see on social media, we don't um, do referral links or anything like that. Um, this is all just, if, you, if you're reading while you're, while you're listening and you see the links, you can just click on them. Um, yeah. Or if you have your own referral link, drop it into the Rask Australia Facebook group if you want to drop it in there and then other people can click that link. It's up to you. Maybe maybe we'll all keep it in one post. Otherwise, it could be a little bit of a madhouse in there. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. any of these yeah, companies, be, yeah. you can just Google. They'll, they'll come up straight away. So um, you don't necessarily have to click on a particular link. Yeah, that's it. Okay, without further ado, Kate, over to you. What's number one on the list? Wonderful. Well, my first one is Frollo, and this is a spending tracking tool, uh, and it enables you to sort of link all your bank and investment accounts together. And they've actually um, been a really big promoter of open banking where you can share your data in a safe way. So it's not necessarily having to put in your ING bank account details within the Frollo app, and then it scrapes it, which often breaches the terms of service. So they've been massive supporters of open banking, and so you can actually really easily share your data Um, and get a really accurate picture of where you are, how close you are to your goals. Um, And this integrates with most of the large uh, banks and investment platforms in Australia. So that's definitely one I'd recommend checking out. We've talked about Frollo quite a bit, not just recently, actually. I think it's been a couple of years now. 
Um, really interesting. There are others in the in the sector that do it, but Frollo is probably the easiest, uh, most recognised now. Uh, so it's really interesting. It's F R O L O Frollo. Okay, number two, which is one near and dear to my heart, because being an analyst, I do a lot of this stuff. I spend a lot of time in this uh, in spreadsheets, and I do a lot of calculations like this. So number two is Google Sheets, Kate. Why do you use Google Sheets? Well, I think Google Sheets is a lot more accessible than Excel, and uh, you can also use it for free, which is great. Um, but I use it for everything from tracking my net worth. I have in the past used it for budgeting, but I, I take a slightly more relaxed approach, especially over the last two years now, using it for planning your travel budget and working out how much you need in each category to last you X, Y, Z. And that's something that uh, people might be starting to think about going on overseas trips again in the next 12 to 24 months. So I think it's just a really useful tool. Um, even if you're trying to calculate like what your portfolio might look like in 10 years, that's another good tool to use as along with the, the Money Smart Compound Interest Calculator, you can kind of replicate and do your own calculations in there. Yeah, that's a really good point. You can create your own compound interest chart and see where you are on that chart um, using Google Sheets. And like you said, it's free. If you've got a, um, a Gmail, you can use Google Drive and Google Sheets and all that. And that's, that's what we use here at RASC. I think some of the team have Microsoft products like Excel and Word and that, but predominantly all of us use Google because it's, basically free um, which is super cool uh, and we also i also use it for show notes you use it to write articles those types of things so it's it's uh, super handy um, number three which is one that we get a lot of questions on is basically number one how do i track my investment performance because the brokers don't give me a great kind of performance record of how i've done and how do i kind of manage tax time like how, how do i know how much in dividends i made and all those types of things because you've got so many different shareholdings what would you suggest is an app that people can look at? Yeah, I think this is really a shining light in the Aussie market, but ShareSide is a fantastic tool um, to really track your investment performance. You can track it against other benchmarks. You can get, a, they've got like 20 or 30 different types of reports you can download and it really helps with tax time and keeping everything in one space. Um, I think on the free version, you can have up to 10 holdings for free. Um, and, and track that. So if you're just doing a really simple ETF portfolio or even like a, a VDHG, one single ETF portfolio, you can use ShareSite for free. In my case, I do use the paid version, but it does allow me to um, integrate, I think, about four different investment portfolios. And you can also send, um, you can, each portfolio has an email and you can forward uh, contract notes that you receive when you buy or sell a share. Um, you can forward the email straight there and it automatically reads that email and that PDF and puts the data into your portfolio. So that's what I do. So there's no manual add XYZ ETF at this price on this date. I just forward all the contract notes. Um, you may even be able to automatically forward. I haven't got that clever, but um, it does make life a lot easier, especially if you are managing a few holdings. I think you can, um, ShareSite integrates natively with some of the brokers. So you can it kind of like automatically syncs everything anyway, and then you can just confirm if you did receive that dividend. Yeah, I think some of the newer platforms like Pearl are just um, setting up with a link directly to ShareSite, and I know RoboAdvisor Six Park has an automatic data feed into ShareSite, so you get to see all your reporting there as well. It's a really easy way, and I think ShareSite's done a great job of kind of dominating the industry, not just here in Australia. They also operate overseas too, so it's one of those Australian success stories. 
which is really cool. So the next one is a bank that we have talked about a bit. We had uh, someone from the bank actually appear on this podcast in, in the past, uh, which is fantastic. So this is a bank, um, I believe you kind of kicked this off, Kate, I believe, at, and then everyone at RAS kind of followed suit and got on board. So you're the early adopter here. This is a bank um, that you've described as superpowered banking. Yeah. So I think I, I probably mentioned up money about three years ago to you. I got I recently got the uh they send you a like a little message on your anniversary and I had a my three year anniversary. So that was an interesting one. You don't usually get that kind of thing from a bank. Um, but I think up has really changed the way that people view banking and it doesn't have to be really stale. I mean, it does sound like an advert for up, but I have no no connection to it or I just think it's a fantastic product. I use it for my day-to-day spending and it really easily tells you how much you've spent in each category. I love that it shows you the icon of the brand in which you've spent the money at because that makes it really easy when looking through. You can easily click a transaction and see how much you've spent over time um, with that company, which is uh, not always the best thing when it comes to buying books. And you also can set up different savings goals and automate it. So when you're saving when your paycheck hits your account each fortnight or each month, it automatically gets split based on certain um, dollar amounts or percentages into your different savings amounts and automating payments. So I just think it's it's just it makes banking a lot more fun and for the purposes of sort of small savings goals and a daily transaction account, it's um, it's definitely something I like. I believe Up just went through like a bit of a corporate change as well, right? Yeah, I think Bendigo Bank. Did they officially take them over or? I think that might, we, we may be wrong on this. This is just off the top of our heads, but I think so because I think they're originally in partnership with Bendigo and I think Bendigo finally bought them out <laughs> realizing how good Up was. So that's Up. It used to be called Up Money, I believe. And, you know, now it's just called Up. You can head to the website. It's super easy to sign up if you do go down that road. We would love to know what you think about it. Uh, you can just drop us a message in the Facebook group. The next one is one I guess is really topical at the moment because there's so much debate in this area. And we've done some episodes recently about which broker is actually the best. And in our episode recently, we covered all of the brokers, all of the major brokers anyhow. And we basically concluded that, first of all, you don't have to have one. And second of all, you can probably choose the one that best suits what you're trying to do. So if you want ASX shares, you can choose one. If you want global shares, you can choose another. If you just want ETFs, you can choose that one, you know, so on and so forth. Kate, for ASX investing, so people want to buy ASX shares, there's one that's kind of still the leader in the industry, right? Yeah. And I don't think this broker in particular is necessarily the best option for everyone and it does cost more, but I do think it can be used as a helpful tool that doesn't cost any money. So the company I'm talking about is Comsec, um, which is the brokerage arm operated out of the Commonwealth Bank. I still think they're the, like the leading broker. They're the largest in Australia. But even if you're not using it as a broker, um, because there are some other options, especially as an ETF investor, I think there are more competitive options now, which we did talk about in our um, broker series. I do think having a Comsec brokerage account is really useful as an ASX share investor for creating watch lists to keep track of different companies. You can really easily set notifications for when companies uh, announce results or have market-sensitive announcements like they're changing the CEO, so you get a notification on your phone. Um, the data, you can access a lot of historical data and um, like all the all the announcements. It's just quite easy to see everything in one spot. And 
I personally, I do use it for that purpose as well. And I, I mean, you don't, you can have multiple brokerages account and you don't have to be actively using them, which is something to note. Yeah. It's a really good point. You talked about that off air is people still ask that question. Do I have to have one or do I have to choose this one or that one? You can have multiple. Um, and again, you know, you might have your ETFs in one place, your ASIC shares in one place and your US shares in another. It does become a bit of a, you know, you got three different logins then, but um, sometimes in finance or oftentimes in finance, you pay a higher price for convenience. So if you try and make it all as simple as possible, there are a few tools that do everything the best. Sometimes there are tools that just do one thing the best. Speaking of, we're talking about US brokerage here. Not necessarily, this is not a recommendation. It's just one that we know is very popular in the market as well. So it's worthy of an honorable, or an, an actual mention here, um, which is stake. So for US online share trading and, and investing, stake is probably the most popular, at least um, in a young with a younger demographic here in Australia. Yeah. And I... I have noticed with stake because you you only have to pay the fee is added on when you change from Australian dollars to US dollars, um, but you're not paying any fees for brokerage while your money is on the platform in US dollars. Uh, it does become a little easier to add more positions to your portfolio because you can just buy $5 worth of Amazon shares. So what's to stop you owning $5 of like 100 different shares? Um, so if you are trying to build a like a long-term portfolio, I, I do think one of the, the good parts of stake, but it also can be the downside for the long-term investor is it is it does look a bit like a, like a retail shopping platform. It's really easy just to add to cart, place the order without having to think about it much. And because there's no minimum brokerage limit, like Comsec might not let you place that order if it's only $5. And suddenly if you're paying $9.95 in brokerage, it's not worth it. But when you're not paying anything in brokerage and you can buy fractional shares, it just becomes very easy to buy and sell without thinking about it. So I do think it's a fantastic way to invest overseas in US shares. And they are coming to the ASX soon with, I think they're going to be $3 ASX brokerage with- Yeah, super competitive ASX brokerage. Firms. I'm thinking that'll be really interesting, especially if you are wanting to add- smaller parcels to your ETF portfolio on a, on a regular basis, that, that that's going to really change the game. It'll be interesting to see how that pushes other players like Self-Wealth, maybe Perla to lower their prices. Yeah, it could be a race to the bottom, but it's interesting because I think we talked about this in the brokerage uh, episode where we, we reviewed them all. Um, it gets to a point where, to be honest, it's the fees become so low that it's almost... For most people, once you get up over minimum $500 parcels, it starts to become somewhat negligible if there's a fixed fee on the brokerage. So, um, you know, if it's $3 or $9, uh, most of us are happy to spend the extra $6 on a cup of coffee. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the day, I, could, I think it will come to a point where most people choose it for functionality and ease of use over, over other things, um, which is really interesting. So just to confirm, um, when you pay stake, you pay them, um, when you transfer money to US dollars because you have to do that to buy US shares. So that's how you pay rather than a brokerage fee. Some some charge both. But anyway, um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually with you on that one. If, if apps and stuff become too gamified, they actually have the total, in my opinion, they actually have the wrong um, incentive. They cause the wrong incentive for investors, which is to trade often, to log in, to be in there often, to really be stuck in your trading account. I actually opened, get this, I actually opened my US 
share trading account yesterday for the first time in, oh, I'm going to say it's like two months, like maybe even longer, whenever I bought my last US share. And I don't have any apps on my phone anymore for investing. I, de- I deleted them all because I think it actually can be quite dangerous if you are addicted to it and you think you need to log in every day and check what you're doing. Uh, makes you act too much. But there I are think some that good applies ones. to to most bro- most investment accounts, even your emergency fund. You don't want to be looking at that cash every day thinking, oh, should I just spend it on this thing now rather than keeping it for emergency? Yeah, well, some of the big um, robo-advisors in the US actually put multiple warnings in front of you when you try and click a button to sell uh, shares. Like if the market has fallen and you try and sell, it like prompts you, like I send you a reminder to say, hey, if you do this, you could be up for tax. If you do this, then that might happen. And it constantly just makes it really hard. They add friction, um, not take it away for that reason. But um, the next one is about making it easy to invest smaller sums of money. And we've had, again, we've had this person on the show before. Um, we've had the CEO of the Australian division, uh, Brendan Malone from Raise Invest. And this is the company, full disclosure, that we've actually recommended. I own shares in this company, a very small amount of shares in this company. It's actually on the stock exchange. So you can see what they're up to and how they're performing. It's Raise Invest. It's micro investing. Kate, tell us a little bit about Raise. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of our community probably are aware of Raise and they do have a couple of hundred thousand Australians that use the platform already. But um, it is a great way for people who only have five or ten dollars. Bear in mind there are fees to dip their toe in the water, and so I think it has been a great starting point for a lot of people because they've put their first five or ten dollars in. They've started to explore the app and go, "Hey, what am I invested in? Oh, I'm in a growth ETF portfolio," and then they start to look under that. And Ray's actually tell you what the the ETFs are and the breakdown of the portfolio is, and that has been a starting point for a lot of people in going hey, I, I want to know more about ETFs and then getting to a point where they feel comfortable enough to open their own brokerage account and start building their own ETF portfolio. So I think for just helping someone get started with the basics, just putting 5 or $10 and testing the waters and using that to incentivize yourself to learn more about ETFs is a really great starting point. And they're introducing a lot of new features and I guess they've integrated with that shopping aspect where you get instead of getting cash back like you would with um, cash rewards or honey, they, um, I know honey's more of the coupon, like it reduces price, but they'll partner with different brands and put that cash back into your portfolio. So as long as it doesn't make you spend something you wouldn't have spent already, that can also be a cool benefit. Yeah, shout out to honey, actually. Uh, shout out, I've got honey installed on my web oh, browser. honey. <laughs> I love honey. I was even, I, I bought, um, you're going to say I'm like a real nerdy for this, Kate, but I bought some virtual reality goggles uh, oh during the week and Honey popped up and it's like, here's a massive saving. And I'm like, oh my God, I love you, Honey. It's for free uh, and it works. So yeah, Honey, you just install it, in your, install it in your browser. So a super easy way to save money. But there's also heaps of cashback and rewards things as well. Raise does it too, thanks to its scale. It's now huge. It's heading towards $1 billion of money invested through Raise. Which yeah, is massive. quite so, substantial. And I have that... I- I haven't tried it myself, but I, leave, I believe they have an investing tool to invest for children as well. Um, so that's something. And they also do super, but I, I don't have any thoughts on that because I have not looked into that. <laughs> yep, fair enough. Okay, the next one is basically how do we get news? So there's actually two on this, which I think is a very fair thing because oftentimes we get sucked into news sources and we just talked about how adding friction to what you do is actually kind of a good thing from time to time, like it's almost too easy to buy and sell. So 
one of the things that people, if we go before that, actually to the decision-making process, many of us make decisions based on the news that we read or what we find on social media. Full warning, that can be wrong and it can be a bad decision, but there are some good ways to go about it. One of them, which you and I use quite regularly, is um, kind of the unpopular platform amongst most people, which is Twitter. <laughs> um, why do you like Twitter for in, in news and, and communities? Yeah, I think when it comes to investing in shares and Australian shares, Twitter is a fantastic place if you curate it right uh, to learn about different companies, to hear uh, very strong opinions for and against a particular company. And there's a lot of people that um, are like sharing their research in public. They're not necessarily working for a fund manager or a, um, a particular investment company, but they they're investing on their own behalf. Maybe they're working in a completely different industry, but they'll share their research on companies and it might not be right, but it'll give you different things to think about. And I, I really appreciate there's a lot of constructive discussion about companies that you can read if you are interested. And often you can just search a company by typing um, in the search bar the, a dollar sign and then the, the stock code, like dollar sign TLS, to find out about what people are saying about Telstra. And you've got to sort for a bit of junk and trolls and bots and anonymous accounts, but there is a lot of gold to be found there. And I think it's really good to develop those critical thinking skills because you get to see multiple sides of the story. And um, when people share articles or news, um, you get to hear different opinions as well. So it's important not to get sucked in, but I do think Twitter can be used as a, a positive tool in your finance journey. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just want to, and I totally agree with you. I, I use Twitter more than anything else. But I just want to double click on the point that you said there, which is just that don't get sucked in. Don't just take whatever some bozo says on Twitter as your own opinion. Don't carry their opinion as yours because some of them are really smart on Twitter, like really smart, just like they are in the Reddit forums. But they have some of them can have their own incentives. So always seek out, you know, kind of counterpoints. This is actually an interesting segue into our next kind of tip, which is the Australian Financial Review. This is an actual reputable news organization. So they have journalists who are who are paid to find the truth, not to just, you know, throw things out there on social media. So the AFR is Australia's leading kind of market news, business news, newspaper and, and website. Um, what do you use it for? Yeah, I really, I enjoy, they cover a lot of personal finance related issues to do with super funds. There's always a lot of coverage on um, what's going well, what isn't going well and keeping up to date there. When things go wrong with particular companies, it's really interesting to read um, the story there and how investors kind of maybe got scammed or got taken in the wrong direction and how you can use that to hopefully not fall into one of those traps in the future. And I think also the AFR is really good at just sort of keeping you up to date on what's sort of new and emerging on the horizon and different industry trends and things there, as well as you can get if you're interested in like large Australian companies, there'll be an article on BHP or Telstra every every day, really. So there's a lot of coverage there if you are interested in like the, the play-by-play on the Australian markets during the day. Yeah. So the AFI does a lot of stuff. They do like the, the rich list as well. If you're into US news, it's probably not the one for you. Like if you're into global news, they still do a lot of that, but maybe something like Bloomberg is probably the, the preferred option there. So we've got some honourable mentions just here on the end. Just one quick one, which is Airtasker. Uh, I think you looked before it had 140,000 reviews or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Like Australians love Airtasker just based on the app store ratings. But um, I know a lot of people do use it 
uh, as a good side hustle because you can just sort of log in, create an account. It probably takes you a while to establish yourself because it is kind of a ratings and a trust-based system. So if I'm hiring someone to assemble an IKEA bed, I want to see that they've done other jobs before in the past and people have given them a positive review. But um, once you get set up, I know a lot of people use it quite successfully as a side hustle that you can just take on what you want when you want and it's not um, a, an intense commitment. Yeah, so we've we've used Airtasker for heaps. We did we did the IKEA thing two weeks ago. Um, we've we found our painter who's now going on to paint our entire house. We found our excavator driver. Um, so many different things on Airtasker. And what's interesting, if you're trying to find work on um, Airtasker, to your point, Kate, people like us, we're more willing to pay the higher price. So the way it works is you say, I want to get some painting done around the house or whatever doesn't have to be around your house, can be anything. And then the people that want to do that work, they will put a price up. So they will say, I'll do it for 300. Another one will say 400. And then you can see their profiles and you can approve or ask questions and they can ask questions. And um, what's interesting is that we probably haven't gone with the cheapest offers since we've used it. We've gone with the ones that have the best reviews and are the most thoughtful in their response to us, like asking questions. And I think that's a good tip for anyone that's using Airtasker to... Uh, to make money, chances are you've already figured this out. Some people have done thousands of jobs. You don't always have to be the cheapest one um, to get the work, which is, which I think is, is important too. But it's a great app. Um, it's actually on the ASX as well. Don't own shares in this one, but um, watching along with a keen interest. So that's an interesting thing. You actually mentioned community before. I thought I'd just chuck this in as an honorable mention because it's actually run by a friend of ours, which is Andrew Page. Strawman.com, which I forgot about um, as we're going through. But for community, that's a really interesting one too. I know a lot of people are interested in in community around investing particularly it's not so much personal finance but that's strawman.com and i guess on the the community aspect there's also on instagram there's the australian debt-free community um i believe they have a hashtag of the similar ilk but um that is a lot of people sharing their journey of maybe their hundred thousand dollars in um personal loan debt or they've got a massive credit card debt that they really want to pay off and it's kind of a really supportive community where people are sharing their progress and how they're paying it off a little bit quicker and kind of celebrating the wins but also encouraging each other when they have setbacks and i think that's fantastic because when you are paying off debt it can take a long time and you don't want to do it alone so that plus the financial counseling um the australian debt debt helpline there we go um is also another great resource to use yeah we've covered a yeah that's that's actually just use that community i think it's great i think when you're in that any type of debt maybe that much debt it's just so good to have a positive community around you that can share strategies because honestly a lot of people that haven't been there won't know what it's like so um getting those people around you is fantastic speaking of community kate We'd love to know what anyone else is discovering in our community. One of the easiest ways for us to keep up to date with what people uh, are using and what is really interesting in the market is just to share it with us. So jump into the Rask Australia Facebook group. There's a link in the in the show notes. Um, we get so many good contributions in there now. And what I'm really proud of, Kate, is it's men and women and it's young and old and it's personal finance, not just investing in those types of things. Um, whereas a lot of the communities become really kind of macho and become really focused on on investing. But this is a really great community for anyone that's seeking information on anything. So um, jump in there, um, say g'day, ask your questions for the next Q&A episode. That's um, the Rask Australia Facebook community. 
Kate, this is an, a wonderful, wonderful list. We're actually, or you've actually written it up in an article. So there'll be a link to that in the show notes as well, as well as links to uh, recent episodes that we've done on each of these topics. So go in, have a look. A special shout out to Kate's Fire Course too, which mentions side hustles and there's a workbook available in that um, 50 side hustles, right? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, created that early last year. So hopefully um, most of them are still relevant, but there's a, a list of 50 different side hustles that are worth exploring. So I might even um, share that in the Facebook community as well in the next week or two. Yeah. Cool. Wonderful. Kate, as always, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au.